0: Welcome to At Home with Kelly and Tiffany, where naturally-minded women gather together as we pursue simplicity and confidence in health alternatives, so we can show up better in our busy lives and feel more at home in our bodies. Join your favorite home birth midwife duo for conversation, candor, and community. You're at home with Kelly and Tiffany. My name is Kelly Pappas, And I'm Tiffany Alblinger. And this is a formal episode of at home
1: it is not formal i rebuke you i will not do a formal episode
0: how dare you i don't even think it would be possible i think we could we've been guests on other people's stuff where i think we pull ourselves together a little bit sometimes i wonder if people want us to be
1: goofy and unprofessional on their (laughs) podcast and if we disappoint them a little bit It's
0: one thing for us to come here and just kind of spews and stuff in our little bantery way. It's something else to go on somebody else's thing who's like trying to really pull together some professional resources for their listeners and for us to come and just talk about ourselves. Yeah, like our own vaginas, for example. For example.
1: Nobody asks us those kinds of questions when we're guests on other people's podcasts. How's your vagina doing? They ask very thoughtful questions. But not personal enough. No. So I promised and, Mm. you know, I always follow through on the promises that I remember and (laughs) that work in my favor. Because
0: if they don't, we'll pretend
1: like you didn't make the promise. So I did the last Chronicles of Vaginia. Uh It is now your turn to do the second 2023 installment of Chronicles of Vaginia.
0: Ah, the Chronicles. Actually, I was trying to think of what I was going to share because I was like, nothing really is interesting going on with my vagina lately. And then I was like, actually, Kelly Pappas, licensed midwife, certified professional midwife. There has been. So at the beginning of the year, I, like probably many of you, was like, I am going to overhaul some of my lifestyle choices. I wouldn't necessarily call this like a resolution, but I was just like, I need some better more disciplined rhythms. And so in doing so, I set a very lofty goal where I was like, I'm going to work out every single day, every day. And I'm going to sauna bag four times a week. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. That's the kickstart that I needed because maybe six months prior to that, I had worked out and maybe like 10. (laughs) So I was like, this is not good. So I knew I was going to have to like stay on top of calories and fat intake and all of the things. And, you know, like I know the things. And about halfway into the first month of it, so we're a couple months into it now, right? And I'm like, been very consistent, but I have decided to make some tweaks because of what I discovered. So a couple weeks into it, I'm a big Peloton rider fan. I was like, my, I cannot have this much friction. For this long every single day. So I had I knew I had to start mixing it up, but it was not a pretty sight. I was like, I need, I need a moment. And then I noticed that I wasn't getting my normal signs of ovulation when I thought I would. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting little thing I'm gonna put in my back pocket. Fast forward another couple weeks, my period was late. And while I wasn't like concerned about pregnancy, I was like, this is bizarre to me because I'm very consistent 28 days, do all the things to make that 28 days. So I looked back and was realizing, even though I was trying so hard to like kind of ramp myself up into this new rhythm, I pushed my body way too hard. And my body was like, I'm going to give you some signs of some yeast. I'm going to like make you ovulate later. Your period is going to be like out of whack. And I was so frustrated by the fact that I was like, I'm trying to do something good with my body and I can't even, I'm not, not like listening to me. And so then I reminded myself of what I wrote in our Hormone Reset emails and was like, Kelly Pappas, you need to mix it up and be okay not like sweating your butt off every single time you work out and figuring out how to actually cycle or like uh, work out with your cycle, right? And so then I started shifting my workout to where I was at for that second month, like where I was at in my cycle. And I feel like it made a massive difference. No yeasty stuff. I upped quite a bit of fat though, too, because I just need it. And a much happier little cycle I had. I am so proud of you. That was kind of a, a roller coaster of emotions I just took everybody on. That was difficult for me not to interrupt you 42 times. I saw it in your face. I had uh, a lot to share about that. But it was so, it was such a good reminder that like the best laid, right? Like you have to listen to your body and not every, not everything that is good is actually good in that amount, right? We're at time moderation here. And so I just wanted to share that little tidbit with you that I was like teetering on some yeast, had a funky cycle and was like, I actually need to listen to my body here and do something that maybe I wasn't Planning on doing, and like, what a good way to model that
1: for other women who are listening because it's really hard once you make up your mind to set a goal in a specific area to pivot inside of that, but it's almost always
0: necessary. Yes, and I, I mean, like I said, it was it was a pretty big shift for my body pretty quickly, but and then being like, okay, this is like an attainable goal. I it, I really put some things into motion that I felt like could be attainable with that. And even though it was technically attainable, it wasn't the right goal or I, I was going about it the a misled way or like the wrong way.
1: Yeah. I would love to do an episode sometime on
0: exercise-related to your menstrual cycle. hundred percent. I think it's really fascinating. And there were a few days where I checked with my blood sugar too. And because working out has just notoriously always for me been like a blood sugar messer-upper if I'm not careful. And they were definitely out of whack. So I was like, oh man, okay, I have to pivot a little bit.
1: Yeah, and how great because a lot of women would see some of those signs that you were noticing and think, well, this is just what it's going to be like while I transition into my new better self. Or this is just, this is the consequence for not having pushed myself this hard before. So I'm just going to keep at it or completely give up and not have the tools in order to pivot inside of that yeah. decision. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Follow-up question all of our listeners want to know. Uh-huh. Please give us some more details about what it means when you say that was just wh-
0: too much friction <laughs> for your vagina. So in cycling, it just was it was a lot of tight pants, sweat, sitting on the bike seat, you know, like the rhythm of back and forth as you're pedaling along. Too much time, probably what they call like in the saddle, right? Too much time like sitting on the seat and just not mixing it up enough. And so that was just, like, the perfect storm of itchiness and discomfort and some, like, yeasty little symptoms creeping in there.
1: The only time that I have ever had, like, chronic yeast that I could not get rid of with just regular diet modifications and stuff is when I was more seriously outdoor cycling. mm yeah. And it was just like any long ride that I took got a flare got me flared up again until eventually I had to just stop, which I was really nervous about going back to cycling, even stationary indoors, because I was like, I've got some PTSD in this area. Yeah. So I don't I don't know exactly what that's all about. I imagine it's it's a bit of an underlying transient for sure imbalance that an activity like that kind of pushes it over the edge. Mix it with some blood sugar stuff, some physical
0: trauma, some oh, a hundred percent poor yeah. recovery. And I was sometimes staying in my workout clothes for a long time because so I'm like, well, I want a sauna sack also. And so then I just sort of sat in my own filth, your own <laughs> your own bike seat bottom. Yes, but I will say, love Peloton. It's a win, hundred percent.
1: I was kind of bashing on last time we talked about home yeah. workout because I get bored easily. Yes. And I don't love, love, love the stationary bike. It makes me kind of cranky, actually, to ride it. I feel good when I get off because I'm like, thank God it's over. And I know it's a good workout. Yeah. And I'm just not a su- I'm not a super cardio person most of the time. I don't know. So anyway, I got back on the app. And there's just a million and one things to do on there.
0: Yeah, I've mixed it up quite a bit. So like I'm on the bike a good amount, but also there's a ton of floor like body weight. I love getting stronger without having to use a ton of weights.
1: Yeah, or just have like a gym size stash of equipment at yep. your own house. Yep. I'm very into bar right now. Mm, yeah, they have they have are you taking yeah yeah, like several a week yeah it's been really it's been a really fun little isometric my brain just need needs different things to mess
0: around with physically for sure i agree with
1: that Um,
0: i hope you enjoy my story of my cycling oh it's like you know like the bicycle but also my cycle oh cycle cycle yeah cycle cycle
1: how about psycho cycle psycho my vagina. Oh, wonderful. Great. Thank you for sharing, Cal. Anytime. Maybe. Today we're talking about preventing GBS in pregnancy. And it seems like it's very specific, but it's because it is. So there's only a certain amount of listeners who are going to find this extremely useful Mm -hmm. in this particular season. But everyone should find this to be quite interesting. Because it has so much to do with, number one, normal processes that are happening in our body. Number two, just the concept of care models that are available inside this country in particular, and the type of empowerment that women have, no matter what they're trying to prevent or treat in any stage of womanhood, there are options. That have to be advocated for and people that you need to have in your corner in order to help you and encourage you in in the option. So not only related to GBS, but we shared this information about preventing GBS in pregnancy on Instagram, probably for the first time, like, I don't know, a few years ago or something. But we recently kind of brought it back to light as a topic because we had a lot of inquiries about it in our DMs. And This topic just really blew up for us and became a big discussion on Instagram. So I wanted to bring it onto this platform, too, because I want to increase awareness that this is actually something that's preventable. And I know that women are looking for this information. So that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the first time I ever heard of this was the day that I was offered or told I was testing for it In 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 my first pregnancy at 36 weeks. Right. I had no clue what it was until that point. Yeah. Which is
1: wild. Yeah. Which should tell us some things, Uh right? There's a couple, there's some pieces of information lingering inside that truth that we're going to unpack a little bit today. But before we get started, Kelly, could you just romantically as possible
0: describe a GBS test? Mm. Okay, so... Turn the lights down a little bit. The GBS test, my wonderful listeners, is a beautiful pink little swab, long Q-tip shaped swab that most of the time, if you're not in midwifery care especially, someone will be inserting into your beautiful vagina and just... You know, just leisurely enjoying the walls of your vagina. I'm using my finger to swab in circles, right? You might even sing a song to yourself while this is happening. And then that swab gets taken out, put in its happy little new home and sent off to tell the lab about its fun adventures in your vagina.
1: I really put you on the spot with that, but you delivered. What, did not know that was coming. What, what is
0: the song that one would sing while they're getting GBS swabbed? You know, I want to say, what's the thing everyone was like, sing happy birthday twice while you're washing your hands, whatever. But that's not romantic enough. I think it would be
1: like, please make this stop. (laughs) This is the one. Most women don't actually Disenjoy. What is the word I'm looking for? Disenjoy is not a word.
0: I mean, it's not like it's a major discomfort. It's a thin swab that gets put in there. It's not like a speculum that's opening up your vagina or something like that. Yeah, it's going to be okay. It is going to be okay. But it's invasive. I mean, someone's putting something into your vagina. Yeah, exactly. You should have full awareness of why, when, when what the results mean, what it's for, like, you should have full informed consent in every single aspect.
1: Yes. And so we actually give the option to all of our clients if they, if they, first of all, if they even choose this test for themselves, Ooh. if they say, yes, please, on the platter of options, I would like that. Thanks for offering. The charcuterie board of midwifery options. Yep. Where everything is actually a choice. Then we facilitate the equipment for them and give them the information they need to do the swab themselves and that is what everybody chooses even though we say if this seems overwhelming or you just prefer not to we would be happy to do it for you and they're like i'm good no thank you and so you can bring that request to any care provider ladies in your pregnancy but there's a lot of people listening right now they're like what the heck is gbs so let's jump into that real quick and give people Brief background.
0: Yeah, sixteen minutes in, we will describe what we are talking about here. So, GBS is uh, short. Well, GBS can mean many things. In our female health prenatal world, it's a it's a type it's a form of strep, group beta strep, and so it is a type of bacteria. It lives in your intestinal flora. That's not an uncommon thing. It's not bad for it to be there, but it can potentially travel, right? And so overgrowth in and of itself can be pretty common, but usually for women, it's just like a non-issue. And so there's a really big fixation on this one particular type of bacteria that is not only transient, it can kind of come and go. But can travel right, so it can travel down into your into your vagina, but we have a huge fixation on it in our in the u s not not every country even tests for it, and so there's actually some states like on the east coast that are actually new to testing for it, even like it's it, it's just a really fascinating kind of journey that it has been on and how we've implemented it here in the u s but the the, if they if you are found to be positive for it, the standard of care is a pretty hard protocol of lots of i v antibiotics
1: for the duration of your labor, yes,
0: pretty much yeah, which you know there's some research behind, but that's not benign, right? A bunch of rounds of iV antibiotics is not not the easiest on your system either.
1: Yeah, not for you or your baby. So we talk a lot here about gut health, restoring that. A lot of people who need restoration from gut health is because of overuse of antibiotics, either in their childhood or adulthood. Uh Can you imagine your very first day of life being born with a grip of antibiotics in your system and what that would potentially look for the trajectory of your gut health if you were if you didn't have a parent who was conscientious about rebuilding your gut health for you
0: as a baby? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my my mom had three cesarean and there's looking back, knowing what I know, all three of us had some stuff when we were younger that, you know, had had some things that were sort of red flags for that kind of stuff.
1: So the danger of GBS essentially is infants who pass through The birth canal that has potentially been tested positive for GBS, which again, you have like a 30% chance of being positive. Very, like, I would say maybe 50% or so of those babies are going to be colonized with GBS, just like you are. This 30% of women who test positive, they're colonized with GBS also, but it's not a harm to them. 50% of babies are going to be colonized. And only 1% of those 50% of
0: babies who are colonized get sick. Yeah, we start seeing this funnel down, right, of you can have it, and it doesn't necessarily mean that there are dire, there's a dire outcome. With that being said, if 1%, if it's your baby, that's 100%.
1: Yes, right, exactly. So... The point is looking at the information, deciding what the risk is in the population itself, but also how you want to assess that risk. Some parents will look at that information and say, "Okay, so we're talking about less than a 1% chance of all babies are going to get sick. Do I want to annihilate myself and my baby with antibiotics for that number? And then some parents are going to say, well, unfortunately, you know, my sister's last baby did have a GBS infection. It was really serious. And I will take the risk of the antibiotic annihilation and to know that I'm doing the responsible thing for my baby. So the point is not that there's a right or wrong choice. The point is that there is a choice in how you go about testing and treating And that you get to decide the risk that you want to take on, which can be really controversial.
0: Yeah, which is uh, kind of unfortunate because just in the general trajectory of the way that we communicate about things, especially online, it gets really emotional and it really does feel like right versus wrong in a lot of the ways that we have these conversations, which is why we're chatting about preventing it in the first place, trying to create a healthy gut, a healthy vagina, all of those things to, I mean, ideally help you not even have to be in the place where you're like, gosh, I feel like this is a rock and hard place trying to decide what is right for me.
1: Absolutely. So in traditional medical model in the U.S., you're going to be screened for GBS without choice. So every single woman going through the medical model is going to be required to screen for GBS. Then also let's re- let's remember that this this bacteria overgrowth can come and go, so you can test positive one day and negative the next. But if you tested positive the day that you take the test, you are going to be labeled as positive for your entire pregnancy. That is just a fact in our care model. Once once positive, always positive. And then you are going to be asked to present yourself to the hospital at least four hours before you deliver your baby so that you can have antibiotics on board every four hours until you deliver. You need at least two doses in order to reduce the risk. And the antibiotics truly are very effective. They do a really good job at eliminating the risk. But we can't explain things like, what if you tested negative and then now you're not even an issue? It hasn't been flagged in your chart because that one day you were negative. What if the day that you give birth you're positive and now now we haven't treated you at all? Right. And it also doesn't account for the fact of, what if women don't want to present themselves it at their birthplace that early in labor? What if they're what if they're trying not to spend four to eight hours at the hospital before they have their baby? Right. And so it kind of negates a huge part of planning and clinical care and everything. So we have a lot of we have a lot of bones to pick with that protocol in general. Of course. We've illustrated a lot of times just in this episode that we have a whole different approach to it. But what we want to encourage you guys in that space is do some more research, have these discussions with your care provider, know that there are options out there that are going to support more choice and retesting and alternative treatment
0: and, and, and. Yeah, for sure. And I will say for our, for our own clients, we offer the testing And the one thing that we do say is it is nice to have an answer of a yes or no, especially a no on your file, just because then you can sort of check that box of like, okay, please don't bother me about the antibiotics. And so we do have some clients who are like, I don't really want to test, but just in case I end up at the hospital for X, Y, Z, or I know friends of mine and previous doula clients from when I was working in the hospital who would test and if they were positive really have an uphill battle to fight about the antibiotics or about assessing baby afterwards or needing to stay in the hospital for longer because of their concern all of those pieces and so it's it's not black or white all of that but there are just lots of little fascinating pieces that revolve around GBS that are just bigger i think than women even realize And just showing up to their 36 or 35 week appointment, whatever it is, and being told, okay, we're going to test for this thing. Don't worry about it. Pretty big deal. Yeah,
1: well, then we'll just get the information and we'll tell you what to do and it'll be great. Right. Women come to us all the time and they say, but my doctor said that GBS is not preventable.
0: Wrong. Mm -hmm. It's either uninformed or lying. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's either somebody just isn't aware or is outright not telling the truth.
1: So let's kind of go over some of the tenets of preventing and treating GBS. Our clients who want to test in our office, if they're positive, then of course we have that information and we can work with them to support their gut and vaginal microbiomes. And if they want to retest again to see if something, you know, that they've implemented, then we can uh, we don't care what they do with that information right we're providing that information for them and then our own expertise and research that backs the pros and cons of that but physicians will not support retesting they will not support natural treatments they will not support a preventative model for GBS for the most part
0: yeah unfortunately and you know we do offer antibiotics in labor to clients who are positive if that is something that they desire a lot of the times they do not.
1: Yeah. And even our clients who choose not to test but then for some reason have to transfer from home birth into the hospital because that's the best place for them to have their baby. If they do not have a result on file, they will be presumed positive uh-huh. in our community. So that's a big part of informed consent for our clients too. Like, unfortunately, there's multiple factors in making this decision and it's not going to be As simple as, do you want to participate in this or not, you may at some point be forced to participate in it. And so you need to know you have to have all the information so that you can make decisions for yourself
0: and discuss it, talk about it, ask questions and all that. That is informed consent. Ta-da! Okay, in terms of treating, though, we've said, like, we offer some alternative options for moms who are... I mean, some moms test positive and they're like, I'm not going to do anything and we can accept you know, their desire, but when they want to do something, or if you are at home listening, being like, oh, I want to have some options if I do test positive, or maybe you did just test positive and that's how you found this episode. And you're like, I would like some ideas. We focus first on some targeted vaginal support. So some more gentle options that are just good bacteria boosting suppositories, topical applications, things like that. What we want to do can is encourage that happy bacteria to overcome, kind of fight the war and beat off any of the bacteria that we don't want around. So that can include using things like garlic, cultured yogurt, coconut oil. We recommend a lot of times probiotic capsules. And then there's other like, you know, kind of essential oil type complementary options in there, including like tea tree in particular. Particular. If you want
1: to get particular. So
0: that, that would be one of the ways that we recommend encouraging the vagina to be the happiest that it can be.
1: Which is, there's no downsides to this.
0: No. I mean, even if you don't test or you test negative, whatever, like your vagina is going to be happy with this.
1: Absolutely. The second treating tactic is to use nutrients and diet for specificity for gut health. And so looking at targeted nutrients looking at targeted food that directly influence vaginal balance and so that would be trying to avoid foods that feed bad bacteria which we know are like refined sugars grains preservatives pesticides we know that all destroys good bacteria and kind of encourages bad bacteria and then also concentrating on food pairings that help good bacteria to multiply and flourish like Whole foods, especially protein and fiber, fermented food, healthy fat, good, clean, pastured protein, and then immune boosting things to kind of give your body essentially like a fighting chance at conquering the bacteria overgrowth. Again,
0: ain't nothing wrong with that. No No matter what situation you find yourself in. There are also some other supplements and kind of herbal regimens and recommendations that we have. So we recommend kind of layering that in along with these other pieces and, you know, ones that are obviously safe for pregnancy. But again, just to kind of restore vaginal balance, encourage the immune system to fight. So things like really specialized vaginal health probiotics. And that again can be found in some of those foods as well that we were talking about. Omegas, uh, zinc, vitamin D, C. Echinacea is a great one as well for a short amount of time. There's a million other you know, options in terms of encouraging your immune system with supplements and whatnot. But those are kind of the original go-tos that a lot of our clients look to.
1: And so that is a protocol that can kind of be in place in general of the foundation of good gut health. That influences good vaginal health because we know that this is all, all of these microbiomes are related, right? It all makes up the biome of your body. And finding ways to nourish it and assist your body in what it's already trying to do. I think that kind of befuddles women sometimes. Like, maybe we need the antibiotics because we've got this major problem of like, oh, no, no, no. Why don't we work with what your body is already doing and can do and restore that concept in place
0: so that you can build off of it. That really seems to be like a a link that we're really uncovering, I feel like, in a lot of our episodes. Like, your body is trying to do a thing. How can we encourage it to do the thing as well as it can?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like it. And the, the preventative model for GBS, those items that we just shared and outlined, that can also be layered into any pregnancy at all, especially if you already have some little pink flags of gut stuff going on or vaginal stuff going on. If you're prone to yeast or UTIs or you've got some digestive issues or something, you are at an increased risk for being GBS positive. And so some of these things would be an excellent way to start folding in no matter what point in pregnancy and planning
0: that you are. Yeah, absolutely. And now, I mean, you may be somebody who's like, I'm early pregnant and had no idea this was even a thing. And you or, you know, eventually are going to get pregnant or you want to be pregnant again. And you can see now that you're like, okay, well, I have some ideas in case I was positive. But if you're going and kind of working backwards, some of those same pieces are going to be helpful in terms of prevention of it in the first place. So there's a good amount of recent Kind of uh, research and studies that show you something as simple as using a probiotic each day in your last trimester, or you can do that beforehand, even can cut your chance of testing positive for GBS by almost. So, just that, just literally swallowing a pill that is aimed to help encourage your gut health can cut that chance by quite a bit. So in our practice, we recommend a vaginal health or like a woman specific probiotic with a high CFU. And we see a drastic shift in our stats versus everybody, you know, like kind of standard stats for women. So we see our positive GBS screen rate less than 10%. So which is I mean, we've mentioned earlier 30% is about the average. And so it's three times better.
1: Yeah. In fact, last year we screen we offered the test to all of our clients. 18 of those clients accepted the screen. They had this information in place already at the beginning of their pregnancy or mid-pregnancy at least, right? And then only one person tested positive out of the 18 that screened of course it's a really small sample size in a really specific environment with midwives who are obviously very attentive and aware and encouraging their clients in these areas but we're applying this knowledge that we're sharing to actual practice and that gives us that gives us an incredibly low gbs rate and that is available to all women you can put these concepts into place in your life, and also enjoy this statistic. The, the studies that are out there are vast. So we have women all the time saying like, well, can you link that to me so that I can share it with my doctor? Just go hop onto Google Scholar and start to type in some of these keywords about preventing GBS with probiotics, and you will come across plenty that you can share with your doctor. There's two strains in particular that have the most research behind them. And we'll all put them in the show notes so that women can take a peek at that. And, of course, we have a probiotic that has these strains in it that we will also share with women who are feeling really curious about that. I was but, hoping you would try to say them. Oh, I will. Would you like me to? Yeah. <clears throat> lactobacillus rutiri and lactobacillus
0: rhamnosus. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be dramatic. There you go. I appreciate it. That was great. But I mean, it is crazy to think that something as simple and straightforward as caring for your gut well from home in a way that is nourishing and positive for your body can lead to better outcomes in a million different ways. And so like, I don't know, it just gets me fired up because I'm like, look at what you can do at home when you have this information, like you literally just need the tools and the actual resources and like how empowering is that and that's what we love to be able to share
1: absolutely and you guys can rewind this episode and replay it and take some furious notes on all of the things that we have outlined here and do like a little diy approach to it or we have created a resource it is called the gbs protocol and you say it like you're Oh, that that's, is, that's, oh, that did we? Tr- that's a great protocol. And it is a package of instant download material that gives you information, really specific guidelines on preventing GBS. We have a vaginal health food guide. We have a reducing GBS protocol. So if you've already got GBS going and you have a positive test, how can you reduce that effectively? We've got a DIY suppository tutorial. Oh, say that three times fast. I don't don't want (laughs) to. And then we have a recovering from antibiotics protocol in there also. So if you find yourself positive and you believe that the best thing is to try to reduce it, but ultimately end up with antibiotics for whatever reason, you can still utilize this guide in order to recover well and recolonize your gut with good bacteria and set yourself up for just better long term health after antibiotics. Of course, you know, this guy is going to have all of the best product links in it, too, with our recommendations for every single thing that you should be taking, what quantity, how often and all of that. So we have that all laid out for you guys. You can buy it in our shop. That will be links in the show notes, but also you can just head straight to beautifulonemidwifery.com, tap on the shop and find it in
0: our pregnancy and birth section. What a robust protocol that is. It truly has been, it's like been one of the things that I feel like most people, or we've gotten like such great feedback on from so many women who are like, this is just what I needed. I can't get this from my doctor for whatever, you know, whatever reason. And being able to provide what we do in our practice and expand that out into the world feels really good.
1: Yeah, I want this information in women's hands. Absolutely. No matter where they plan to get their prenatal care or where they plan to give birth, this is an issue that is coming up for a lot of women. And they feel like you said before, stuck between a rock and a hard place. And we want to illustrate that there's options out there, alternatives. And a soft place. Soft place to land. Cuddle into. You can find yourself in between a soft place and
0: an equally
1: soft place. I want to go there. <laughs> Sounds nice.
0: Okay, ladies. Well, hopefully this was super helpful for you. Please, if you are somebody who goes through this protocol, and we would just love to hear your feedback on test results and all kinds of stuff, because we love just kind of following up with y'all. So enjoy, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.